by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I told those kids yesterday, they were, they were about my age when this happened. I was sitting in my house in Whitehaven in Memphis. And uh, I guess it must have been November or December because uh, it's probably 40, 50 degrees outside, maybe, maybe colder than that. I know it was cold. And I was sitting there on the couch. I guess I was watching TV. I don't remember. But I do remember somebody came and knocked on the door. And I thought that was awful strange because there was a storm outside. I mean, lightning, thunder, not just little light rain, but I'm talking big old plop, 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 plop. I mean, it was really getting it out there. And I said, who's knocking on my door? So I got up off the nice warm couch and I opened the door and it was Hal. <laughs> Some of you've heard Hal stories before, I guess. Oh, Hal. Only, it could have only been Hal out in this storm. And he said, Come on out, man. It's awesome. You ought to see the water. And you know what I said? Okay. <laughs> Because I was just as dumb as Hal back in them days, man. And, and I went outside and went down the stoop, and he said, come here and check it out, man. And the water was floating high enough on the, on the street to float a Buick. I'm telling you, the drains were stopped up, and the water was just, you know, flooding everywhere and lightning. And it was just kind of exciting for a moment there. And he said, well, come on down here and let me show you something else. So we went around about two blocks further, and we got down there, and it was one of those drainage ditches that go through the city of Memphis. You know, a, a street goes over it, and then there's like four-foot-high concrete walls, about eight foot apart, and water drains through it. Usually it's a little trickle. We get down in there and catch crawfish and stuff. But not today. That rain had it filled up to the brim with just rushing water. He said, come on, man, let's jump in. You know what I'm saying? No, I said, you crazy. <laughs> I ain't jumping in that water. And then he said, what's wrong? You chicken? <laughs> now, see, back in the days, you didn't call nobody a chicken. That was time to open up a can. A can of knuckle sandwich. You, you know what I'm saying? You don't call nobody a chicken. So you know what I did? I jumped that chain link fence into that cold water. Say choices. So far, my choices ain't adding up, are they? I jumped into that cold water, and, you know, it, it was life-changing. And I, and I held on to this little log that was swirling around in an eddy next to where the water rushed underneath the street. And I started to turn around and call him a chicken, but then I heard this loud spruce. Here he come. He done jumped in there with me. <laughs> and he grabbed the log. I said, what do we do now? He says, push off. So I pushed us off, and we got in that current. And we just went right up underneath it, bumping our head on the bottom of that underpass, overpass. Now, I ain't going to lie. This ride for the next two or three minutes, the next mile or so, 
it was awful fun. It, <laughs> it was like it was like being at Disney World without having to pay. I mean, we were swirling around, hitting the, the things and bouncing off and, and getting the waves going and everything. We were laughing and joking, and it was really good for about, like I said, two or three minutes until we started to get freezer burned on the bottom. <laughs> what do you call it? When you frostbite, we was frostbite in some locations and freezer burned in the others. And hypothermia was setting in. <laughs> And I couldn't feel my lower half, you know. And, and it was right at twilight, so it was getting dark. And then all of a sudden, we were unceremoniously whooshed out of the concrete into a muddy ditch. And on the banks, some people had thrown garbage and dumped old couches and chairs. And there, there was an old uh, washing machine came bobbing by. <laughs> And all of a sudden, it was very spooky. And, and the water was all nasty and muddy. And all of a sudden, I felt something on my neck. And I reached back, and it was a dirty diaper. I was, ah! And all of a sudden, the ride that had been so exciting and exhilarating was now pretty spooky. And I wanted to get off. I was like, help me off. But I didn't know. What, and we just kept going down. And it got darker and darker. And, and my legs got more and more freezer burned. <laughs> And finally, we could feel our toes dragging in the mud. And so I said, come on, Hal. And we, we made our way to the bank. And we just plopped our face in the mud. And that's all we had left. And I remember my face being against that muddy bank. And I could see my breath, the smoke coming out of my hot breath in this cold air. Do you think me and Hal survived to tell this story? I will tell you later, but right now, <clears throat> I'll finish it. But say choices. They have consequences, don't they? Following the crowd is not a good choice. Following how is never a good choice. How could be likened to old Slewfoot, you know, the devil. He's always going to be leading you. Something is going to seem so exciting, so exhilarating, but in the end, it's going to dump you out in a, a nasty ditch and leave you fighting for your life. Well, we've been in a new series called The Rescue, and uh, it's, it's basically going back and looking at the history of mankind. How did we get in this mess? <laughs> How did we end up laid here face down in the mud, so to speak? Where are we at in human history? And during this series, we're going to get to where we are, maybe not today, but we're going to get to actually where we're going. What God says is the next thing to come. So it's going to be exciting. But the scriptures say in Romans 15, 4, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. So when we're reading these Old Testament, some people want to dismiss the Old Testament like it ain't part of the Bible no more. But no, no, no. It's just as much the Word of God. It's just Jesus Christ is concealed in the Old Testament. He's just revealed in the New Testament. But the Old Testament still is Jesus Christ. And they were scriptures written long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be revealed. How many of you need hope right now in this world? 
It's not a, not a hopeful place. How many of you need encouragement? How many of you know that you have promises? Well, these scriptures are going to bring that to you today. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says these things, meaning in the Old Testament, these things happened to them as examples to us. And you know if you look at some of these characters in the Old Testament, real live people that live, God didn't hide the ugly things that they did. You see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Why? Because he's thinking, surely, surely somebody will learn from somebody else's mistakes instead of having to make them themselves. Are you that kind of person? Most people ain't. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. How many believes that we're living at the end of the age? If we're not, I don't don't know what it's going to take to get there. So this series is called The Rescue. Today's lesson is called Part 2, The Light Switch. So a quick recap from last week. If you weren't here, you need to go back and watch the video. And I noticed that we only have a few subscriptions to our YouTube page. All of you need to be subscribed to our YouTube page. There you go. That's why I'm saying it. Passion Church DeSoto YouTube page. All of our uh, messages since we've been recording are on there. A lot of times our praise and worship, just the praise and worship is on there separately. It's a, it's a beautiful place to reserve uh, everything you need to go back and watch in case you miss. So last week we talked about that before creation, God already had a, a rescue and evacuation plan for mankind. He said Jesus would be the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. That means before the earth was created, God already knew he would give free will to man and that free will would cost him his son's life one day. It was already as good as done. And then we see in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth and there was darkness over the face of the earth, right? What did God say about that? Let there be light. So we see the epic battle. God tells us from the very beginning, the very first sentence probably in in the Bible, that there's a battle between light and darkness. You see, everything that we're talking about in these Old Testament scriptures, he's painting a picture. He's giving you pieces of the puzzle for those wise enough to understand what he's trying to say and be ready for what's to come. Dark versus light. And then the devil came in and deceived Adam and Eve, and sin plunged mankind into darkness. The light that was in The light of life that was in the spirit of man, the candle was blown out by sin. He said, the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. And the spirit of man died, and there's been darkness to every child that's been born on the earth since then. The bloodline of Adam coursing through our veins, the sin nature of mankind passed on. And what we're talking about is we're trying to find out what's God's plan to bring light back into this darkness. So Adam's uh, and Eve had a child named Cain. Cain killed Abel. The first child born of a woman was a murderer. And it set about the next 1,654 years of human depravity. We talked about how 
Uh, it was called the age of conscience, where everybody just did what their conscience told them. A conscience is a good thing, but you know they can be overrode pretty easily. And so everybody did what they thought was right, and they stopped doing it. <laughs> and the world got so bad that God became sorry that he had made man, and he, he found one righteous man named Noah, and he said, I want you to build a boat, and he did this flood, and Noah had uh, his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, I like to call them bacon, egg, and cheese, to the, to the kids, and their wives and his wife, and they got on the boat, eight, eight people. I mean, he was preaching righteousness. He was saying, get on the boat, be saved. And sometimes it feels the same way today. We keep telling people, but they say, I ain't, it ain't fixing the rain. God ain't coming back. They've been saying that forever. And so people wouldn't get on the boat. How many, you telling somebody about Jesus? And they, I don't need to be on that boat. They wouldn't get on the boat. But the flood came. Only eight people left alive. The flood receded. And you're thinking, okay, now, now, with eight new righteous people, we'll repopulate the earth with a better seed. You know, some people are into that genetics thing, and kind of like what Hitler and all of them, they wanted to say, well, let's purge certain people, and then we'll have utopia. Well, you'd think with eight righteous people that wanted to follow God, then the world would change. But it didn't. I told you last week, I think we ended with, Noah got off the boat and got drunk. Okay, Noah. <laughs> but Noah got off the boat. He got drunk. Bacon, egg, and cheese repopulated the earth. And we begin a dispensation called human governance. That's when man started saying, okay, we do need to make some rules here. Because last time it was crazy. Or we're going to make some rules, but everybody wanted to be in charge. Have you noticed that? A lot of chiefs and no Indians. Everybody wanted to be in charge. But for the next 427 uh, years, we begin a period called human governance. 325 years after the flood, there was an event called the Tower of Babel. You remember that story? In Genesis 11:4, it says, And they said, Come, let us build us, ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. They want to be bigger than God. They're going to build a tower. They're going to go to the heavens on their own. They don't need God, right? 2,000 years we are into the history of humankind, and we're still the same place we were in the garden. Man wanting to exalt himself higher than God. We see it around us all today. Well, anyway, they wanted to build a central city so they could, they could compact their power. They wanted to be more important than God. They wanted to forget about God. They wanted to be higher than the heavens. And they wanted to take the power and the fame so they could rule. And that's the same spirit that's leading those today that want this one world government. The same spirit of Antichrist that's in the world today. You say, well, I've heard of one world government, and, and pretty much everything that the, the devil doesn't want us to talk about, he calls a conspiracy theory. If there's any truth in it, the devil's going to call it a conspiracy theory. So not everything that's a conspiracy theory is a conspiracy theory. 
There are those who want a one-world government. There are those who want to rule the world. They want to be higher than the heavens. They want to be in control. And those powers of darkness don't want God. And so they must first bring down the superpower in the world, which is America, before they can realize their dreams of a one-world government. Are you listening? America must be brought low because we're still the beacon of light and freedom in the world. We're a God-fearing nation. We're on God's team. We were built according to God's principles. Our Constitution was written according to biblical principles. Our laws were written according to biblical principles. Our government is here to serve the people, not the people serve God, the government. And the powers of darkness can't stand a place where every person has the, the opportunity at life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Every person in our nation has those, that opportunity to have life, to worship the way they want to, to be free, and to pursue happiness. So the devil starts trying to, to alter everything and turn, make it wicked. And he says, oh, well, we got the pursuit of happiness. Well, it's not fair. Uh, everybody needs happiness. Let's just give everybody happiness. Let's make everybody happy. <laughs> That's not what it says. It's the pursuit of happiness. Everybody has that opportunity, but if you don't pursue it, you don't get it. And I can't pursue happiness for you. And if I'm pursuing happiness for myself... And you take all my money and give it to somebody else so they can have happiness. That's not going to make anybody happy. But it's for everybody, not just the chosen few who get into power. America is the main threat to a globalist agenda. I don't mean to get into politics today, but it's going on, and I want your eyes to be open. There's people that want a one-world government, and that's why the world and everybody in it Wants to see America brought low. Those socialist, Marxist, communist nations that already have turned their nations into a place where the people have to serve the government and the power rests with the, the few at the top, they must destroy America because America is expediting the Lord Jesus Christ around the world, the light of the world. Of course, you look at America today and you say, well, you're talking about America of long ago. I hope not. But we should be alert. And that's why... I, see, these, these leaders of these other nations exert control. The people must do what they say. People who want power for themselves want to control other people. And that's why you see in America today people that don't exactly trust our government when they begin to try to put controls on us. You say, but, but it's only common sense. You know, we got this pandemic. We, we, need to do, we need to wear a mask. Maybe so. But any time the government says it, a lot of people are going to say, I don't know if I trust that. Because we know what gets into the heart of certain people in the government. And so we have to be careful. That's, and, and then the devil's using this whole mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine, all of that stuff. Man, he, he is pretty genius. He's using it to divide everybody. 
So all of these things are going on in the world today, but let, let us digress. Genesis 11, 9 says about the Tower of Babel, he said, Therefore the name is called Babel because, the Lord, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them abroad all over the face of the earth. He looked down, he said, These people are crazy. I can't. <laughs> well, are you kidding me? They're going to build a tower up to heaven. If I let these crazy people all stay together and they get in one mind and one heart, there ain't nothing they can't do. He says, I'm, we're going to confuse their languages. And that was the point in human history where all the people, they couldn't understand each other. But, oh, I understand him. Well, let's get together. Then all the nations were formed and people went and found their own lands. And, and uh, that's how the world populated with the different languages different tribes, tongues, and nations. And so God, uh, he dispersed the concentration of power so that man wouldn't act a total fool. You get, get what I'm saying? So you're thinking by this point, we're 2,000 2, years into human history. Where's, where's the lamb? <laughs> where's the lamb? Where's God's plan? Has he forgot about it? Remember, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. He's not in a hurry. There's much more to do. You see, the darkened human heart will require much more softening before it will receive God's light. Say before it will. You remember we have a will? You remember God's not going to override our will? So he has to soften our heart. You see, the Old Testament and everything in it, you're going to begin to see a picture of God softening our hearts and, and painting a picture in our minds to see that we need a Savior because the pride of man resists anything of God. So two things he must find to work with, a covenant partner and a covenant partner with faith. And so introduces the word that's going to be the answer to most of your questions today. Say faith faith. God interjects a concept into mankind that's going to be a key. And that's what we're going to talk about from this point forward. Because what is God looking for from us today? What does he want from us? A covenant partner and a covenant partner with faith. And that what he's looking from, from for us so God decided to work with a man named Abram. We know he would later be called Abraham, known as the father of the... What I tell you, I already gave you the answer to all the questions today. He is the father of the faith. Help me out now. He's an old man. He's 70 years old. He's barren. I mean, his wife is barren. They got no children's. But by faith, he would become the father of a nation, a whole nation, and a nation that God would make the apple of his eye, a nation that he would use as an example to the whole world. In other words, God's saying, okay, I'm going to paint you a picture. I'm going to take a nation, and I'm going to show you. I want you to keep your eye on this nation, and we're going to see, and we're going to learn our lessons by looking at this nation. Anybody know the nation? that we're talking about? The nation of Israel. 
And so now we enter a different dispensation of time that God begins to deal with Abram. It's called the, you could say, the time of the patriarchs, the fathers of the nation of Israel. But it's actually called the dispensation of promise. Because God makes promises and he introduces the concept of faith to receive the promises. Am I making sense so far? So God makes a covenant with Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, he tells Abram, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And you can see now why God's people love Israel. Because to love Israel is to be blessed. And you can see why the world has this unnatural hatred towards Israel. Why do, why do these nations of the earth hate? You go to a UN conference, they all get up there and they, this little bitty nation that ain't no bigger than a, a speck of sand on the globe, and they all get up there and they condemn Israel. It's all about Israel. How much they hate Israel. Why? It's an unnatural hatred because they hate God. And Israel is the apple of God's eye. You've seen that. But God's people love Israel. So God, at 70 years old, asked Abram to leave everything he knows and come follow me now to a place I'll show you. He says, I want, to, I want you to be a sojourner. What's a sojourner? Well, I looked it up. It says to stay as a temporary resident. And as Christians, we're still called to that same principle to be a sojourner. He's saying, I know you live on the earth, but don't be of the earth. You live in the world, but don't be of the world. You're in a new kingdom now. You're ambassadors for Christ. You're heavenly minded. Yeah, you live down there, but you don't set up uh, your foundations down here. You don't build your house down here, so to speak. He had Abram begin to live in tents for the rest of his life. As a picture, all these are examples to us, right? If you get too interested, in, you, you don't want to set up camp in the valley of the shadow of death. You want to keep walking through, don't you? So he's saying, be just see yourself as a temporary resident of this world. And that's what he asked Abram to do. Now we know Abram took his nephew Lot, and Lot ended up doing what? He set up roots in a town called Sodom. See, God doesn't want you to set up roots in Sodom. He don't want your soul vexed. He don't want you so caught up in the things of this world. That you become no heavenly good. See, the more you get involved in the darkness as a Christian, the more your soul gets vexed. The Bible says that Lot's soul was vexed living there. And you're in, a da you're in danger being there. If you're going to set up camp down here on earth, if this is where, where, where you got your, your focus. Well, anyway, the next 16 years, Abram sojourned with God. That means he just walked around. He did some things. He went to Egypt. You can read the stories in Genesis if you want to, all the things he did. But basically, what was he doing? He was building a relationship 
with his new God. He was beginning to trust God. He was learning how to walk with God. He was building. Thank you. <laughs> All right. In Genesis 15, 5, it says, Then the Lord took Abram outside. See, he got him to a place. He got him to a place where he could show him something new. And that's what God's doing with you right now. He's trying to get you to a place where he can show you bigger things. The Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. See, he had walked with God. God couldn't show him. See, God can't show you big things right now if you're not walking close with him. If you hadn't turned off the things of this world, so to speak, which is mostly in some of you's back pockets and your purse right now. He can't show you things if you're too immersed in the world. But he got Abram to a place where he could say, step outside let me show you something, son. Look up here. That's the kind of dreams I have for you. You ready to receive it? Neighbor saying, like, Abraham said, I received it right now. See, that's what faith does. Faith doesn't wait till he sees the promise. That's why some of you, God promised you something 10 years ago, and you're saying, now you're saying, well, you know, maybe I was just, I had a dream, but maybe I was just a, because of the tacos I ate that night or something. Now you're trying to explain it away because it hadn't come to pass. But maybe you ain't got to the place where you receive it before you get it. You see, faith reaches into the spiritual realm and takes hold of the promises of God and pulls them into the natural. It pulls the things in the spiritual realm into the natural realm. But you've got to receive it now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You got hope? God gave you a hope about something? Well, it's now. You receive it now even though you don't have it now. It's as good as done. God's saying, believe me because of my word, not because I perform. Believe me before I perform it. God wants you to, he wants your trust. Say faith. That's what faith is. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation and, and your descendants are going to be as many as the stars. And God counted him righteousness. He is right with himself because of faith man that's a hint right there that is a hint that God has given us right there big one big one if you're going to be a descendant of Abraham then you're going to have to be it's going to be by faith if you're going to be a child of God it's going to be by So God institutes the first blood covenant. There's another hint. Remember we talked about without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There's no forgiveness of sins. God institutes a blood covenant with Abram. He gets him to cut all these animals in half. Just saw them in half and lay them over and make a path down the middle where all the blood runs into and Abraham does exactly what God says, and the vultures come and try to take away the meat. But Abraham says, no, no, and he's running out there, and he's chasing off the vultures. 
And that's one of the things you're going to have to do. When God makes you a promise and a covenant with you, there's going to be those that come around and say, oh, you can't trust God. They've been saying that for years. Oh, you got to make your own way. There are going to be vultures trying to, to steal your promise. There might be people in your own house telling you to curse God and die. Those are vultures. you got to chase them off. And God put Abram in a deep sleep. And there was a great darkness. And then God came through and walked through that blood. What form did he come? As a fire pot. He came as a light in the darkness. And he cut blood covenant with Abram. Well, you would think Abram's got it going on now. Just a matter of time. Things are going to start happening. Well, I guess they didn't happen fast enough for his wife, Sarah. <laughs> She's like, Abram, I'm getting older and older. I ain't going to be able to carry no child. I know God said, but let's help God out. You ever do that? God make you a promise and it just seems too big. Seems like well, he's never going to do it. He's, he said that, but it's been a long time. I'm just going to make it happen on my own. And so Sarah said, here, you take my servant girl, Hagar, and marry her and have a child with her, and then we'll claim it as ours, and we'll, we'll say God gave us the child, and we'll start a nation like that. God said, uh-uh, that's not what I said. I don't need your help. I can do miracles all by myself. And your little natural stuff is not what I'm after. And so we see a contrast beginning to take shape in everything we see in the Old Testament. Human effort versus the promises of God. How many of you are so wrapped up in your human effort that you don't realize what God is really after is you to believe Him. Well, anyway, that child was born and his name was Ishmael. Boy, I've had some Ishmaels in my life. I wanted a boat so bad one time. I went to this garage sale and there was this old Ishmael boat sitting there, man. It looked rough, but it was a good price. And I thought I could fix this thing up and I could... That was the worst boat I ever had in my life. It, it was a curse to me from the moment I bought it. Angie said, I can't believe you bought that boat. You didn't wait on God, did you? <laughs> but anyway, Ishmael was born to Hagar as Abram's son. And Hagar got mad and ran off one time. And God talked to Hagar. And in Genesis 16, 12, he says this about Ishmael. This son of yours will be a wild man. As untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Hmm. Guess who are the descendants of Ishmael? The Arab Muslims. And guess who they hate the most? the child of promise that would be born Isaac and the Jewish nation. I guess that explains their hostility because it's been going on for quite a while since the time of Abram. Did you know Muhammad, the false prophet of the false religion Islam, 
claim to be a descendant of Ishmael, according to the Quran. See, that's the divide. If you want to know what's going on in the Middle East, it goes all the way back to Ishmael and Isaac. All the way back. Who is the rightful heir? The one, the child born of, of human effort or the child born of the promise of God? The, the child born by fleshly efforts or the child born by the Spirit of God? You see, this stuff goes way back. So God worked a few more years with Abram. And at 99 years old, he finally says, I think the boy's ready. <laughs> yeah. And so he says, Abram, I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And he changed Sarai's name to Sarah. And they have meanings, but we ain't going to go into it. But he says, basically, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And so the sign of this new covenant and I'm sure Abraham was so excited about this, was a new covenant instituted by circumcision. Can you imagine being 99 and circumcised? I mean, Abraham's getting more action with that thing now than he did all when he was young. <clears throat> but anyway, it's the cutting away of the flesh. Isn't that what it is? See, everything God is doing is painting a picture for us to be examples for us so that we can have hope in the promises of God. And we know how to activate the promises of God. We already talked about that. A cutting away of human flesh. Once again, human efforts contrasting the promise of God. Flesh and spirit. By works or by faith. I'm about through. Give me a few more minutes. So that was the sign of the new covenant that they were about to have a child. And then God looked down and he saw where Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding areas that were just drenched in sexual immorality, sin of every imaginable description. He said, I'm going to destroy these nations. I'm going to rain hell brimstone down on him but he went and talked to his friend abraham first and abraham pleaded he says god he did everything he could do he he bargained with god he did everything god i know he appealed to god's character i know you're not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked and god says you're right about that abraham if there's any righteous in there i'll get him out and he went into that city of sodom and he told lot to Tell all your friends it's time to go. And he went and told his son-in-laws and they didn't believe him. Why didn't they believe him? Because he was living just like they were. You know, it's a hard time witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ when you're living like everybody else. They're just going to laugh at you. That's why we got to set yourself apart. So the angel of the Lord had to finally grab them by the hand. They were hesitant to leave. They had done become so immersed in the things of this God, of this world. You see what I'm saying? You can either be walking with God and setting yourself apart, or you can become immersed in this world and, and God have to yank you out. But God did not destroy the righteous with the wicked, and he got them out. 
even though one of them turned back. And that's another hint. You know, God used, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah as an example to what's going to happen in the end. And the things that we're talking about today, they're very, very important that we understand these things because we don't want to be left in Sodom when judgment day comes. So then finally, we'll end today with Isaac was born, the child of promise. Sure enough, old Sarah, who changed her name to, he changed her name to Sarah, and she had a child, 90-something years old, born of a 100-year-old man, miracle birth. She had been barren all her life, and they, they bring forth a child of faith. Say faith. It was by faith. And it only took Abraham, what, 30 years to develop the faith to receive such a promise. And so that should be a comfort to some of us if we're not walking in everything that God has promised us. That is, you know, the seed of God is, is eternal. If he said it, he still can bring it to pass. He's just waiting on you to, to walk with him close enough to cut off the flesh, to make covenant with him, blood covenant with him. To cut off the flesh and believe the promises of God. By faith, take hold of it now. The things that God promised you 30 years ago, don't throw them to the side. The seed is eternal. He, Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So if we learned nothing else today, it's about faith. In Psalms eighteen twenty eight, talking about the battle of light and darkness, it says, you light a lamp for me. The Lord my God lights up my darkness. Who does it? God lights up your darkness. How does he do it? What it, we talked about today, the light switch is the name of the sermon. What is the switch, the light switch that will light up the darkness within mankind that was put there because of sin? What is the switch? What is the answer we've been after all day? faith it's God's grace but you activate it the God's grace is there it's in the wiring but you activate the light of the world the promises of God by faith what's the key to your salvation faith God's grace activated by faith I, I'm, I know I got so much to go through today I'm just talking so fast I can't get my words out Last scripture, Romans 4, verse 1. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. This is written in the New Testament. Looking back. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to boast about. But that was not God's way. That's the American way, right? Oh, man, if you, he's pretty good. He'll go to heaven. He's a good fella. He's a good guy. Oh, she's, she's sweet, man. I, I know she's going to heaven, but that's not, how ju that's not God's way. It's not how he judges. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him righteous. Why? Because of his faith. That's the key word today. God introduced the concept of faith. And what does it say in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8? 
that we're saved by grace through faith. The grace is there. The grace of God was there when Jesus said, it is finished. Actually, the grace of God was there when before the foundations of the world, when he called Jesus the lamb slain before the foundations of the world, the grace was already available. But people didn't know how to activate it. But if you want that grace in your life, you've got to say, I'll receive it by faith. And you've got to stop saying, I'm good enough to get to heaven because you're not. <laughs> okay, well, let me finish that story and we'll close. I was there facing the mud. I didn't know if we was going to make it. <laughs> Freezer burned. <laughs> Frostbitten. Hypothermia. I was sh shivering. And, and I looked over at Hal, and he was over there, his eyes all big, looking the same way. I said, we got to get up, Hal. And we got up. I was able to get to our feet and felt like I had ice shoes on. And and there was this hill, and this muddy hill, and we climbed and we clawed and made our way. We was just filthy nasty by the time we got to the chain link fence up there. And we grabbed a hold of it, and I looked over the chain link fence, and there was this manicured lawn. And there was a back porch with a big old barbecue grill on it. And there was the lights of the, on the house and the windows with just a warm glow. And I was thinking to myself, I wish I was in that house. You know what? Because of my bad choices, this is where my life had ended up. It was bad. I almost had died. Many of you have almost died because of your bad choices. I was so far from home, I didn't know how to get home. Because I'd been through the ditch, you see. I didn't know where I was. Am I going to go back through the water to get back home? I can't do that. i got to find another way. Because this way ain't working. I wanted to be in the warm house. I didn't ever want to leave daddy's house no more. And some of you, maybe maybe your life is right there right now. You say, man, I done made bad choices. I done let Hal, old Slewfoot, talk me into all kind of stuff. And it was fun for a moment, but I see the wages of sin is death. I'm all freezer burned and muddy. And I don't know which way to turn. I don't even know if I can get back from here. I don't know if I can get home from here. And Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the gate. I'm the gatekeeper. There's others that tried to go over the fence, you know, on their own, but they're robbers and thieves. But I am the gate. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Just come to me by listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.